No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. We're going to do that again. And the home of the Episode 80 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And we are getting ho, 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 so close to December 25th. And it's my favorite time of year, as you know, if you listen to the podcast. I know James is rather fond of this time of year as well. So I am in a particularly good mood for this podcast. I think it's going to be a good one. Hopefully, we can deliver two weeks in a row. I know the post office and UPS and FedEx are working overtime this time of year to deliver. I hope James and I can rise to the same standard. James, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, too, sir. I'm following your jolliness, so thank you very much for setting the tone. (laughs) Merry podcast! Awesome. I love it. You know what? I am. I, I was listening to a couple of older podcasts recently for reasons that will become clear later in the show. And I realized that, one, we've come a very long way in the last uh, 40 episodes. And two, we used to jump into the starting lineup before we did the bulk of our banter. And that seems only fair to our listeners that they know who they're sitting through listening to. So... You know, it is Throwback Thursday at the recording of this podcast, as is every Thursday, I guess. I don't really get it, but that's not really, that. that's neither here nor there. But so I am going to throw back to ye old days of yore of the Hit the Deck podcast and jump right into the starting lineup. So for tonight's starting lineup, in goal as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And of course... Right here in the jingle spirit with me. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and back with us again. From the great white north of Canada, relocated to Columbus, Ohio, number 30, in goal, Tony Bonner. Thank you, sir, for the return engagement, the the home and home, as it were. And we'll get back to you in just a little bit if you can sit yourself on the bench for just a bit, I promise we will not forget about you. We won't, we won't forget about you, won't. Ho, 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 we won't, we won't forget about you. I, I've, I don't, all right. <laughs> we saw that movie once, and it's because my wife likes it. <sighs> I mean... <laughs> Depending on when you listen to this podcast, it could conceivably be during breakfast. So, you know, this this could be a breakfast club for you. I don't know. I'm I'm not making any assumptions. Uh, how was your week, James? It was pretty good, thank you. How about yours? Uh, good, good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the festive spirit. Uh, I uh, 
I confess I'm going to brag a little bit here on the podcast. Today, uh, due to the way my vacation days worked out this year and, and, and me having to take time or lose it, today wound up being my last day of work for 2017. So I am... I am set for a nice long vacation, and uh, I, uh, I am reaping the benefits of joy that come with it. Oh, congratulations, sir! Very well earned and awesome. Nice early Christmas present. Yes, yes, indeed. Thank you. Of course, it, I am not taking a vacation from the podcast because, you know, priorities. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so here we are talking about many, many things. And before I forget, I just want to wish good luck to Superfan Anthony and his misfits. They lost a heartbreaker in their last game of the season. They played a very good team, scoreless going into the third period, five minutes left in the game. They give up a goal. They pull the goalie with a minute left and are able to score and tie the game only to botch the face-off and give up the go-ahead goal with 19 seconds left in the game for a loss of 2-1. to one. Oh, man, that is, that is rough. Which, you know, daggers in the heart. It's, it's unfortunate. But good news, they are hopefully going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, I was just talking to Anthony about this today. Apparently, there is a very specific scenario that has to play out for them to miss the playoffs. The the eighth and ninth place teams, I believe, are playing each other. And the ninth place team would have to win in overtime in order for the Misfits to miss this playoffs. Okay. Um, but hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll keep you posted on their progress. And if you would like to tell us some of your stories from, you know, your war stories from the deck, you know, feel free to email us uh, at hitthedeck at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook. And we will be happy to uh, relate your tales of glory and or woe here on the podcast. So, uh, you know, we love to talk deck hockey. We love to hear about deck hockey. That's what this pod is all about. So we now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Oh, yeah. Just one more thing, too, for, for Anthony and the Misfits. I mean, it is Christmas time. Yep. And as people may or may not know, the Misfits are named after the toys from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special. Indeed. The Island of Misfit Toys. And, and, and uh, the logo on their jersey is a Charlie in the box. Exactly right. So, hey, man, it's, uh, you know, that, that, that's good karma. So I like it. So good luck. To it the is Misfits. the time of year for them to shine. Nice, very nice. Good stuff. Just like Rudolph's nose. If people didn't get that, um, you deserve a big lump of coal in your stocking. <laughs> okay, misfits, full power. <laughs> Worst Santa ever, by the way. I completely agree. 100% agree. Absolutely. And Mrs. Claus, too. I don't know what the deal with her was. Either. I mean, she was no... She, she, I think she was an enabler, Mrs. Claus. <laughs> yes, true. She at least had some compassion for the elves. You know, she, she right. chastised Santa gently when he mistreated them. But yeah, she, she didn't help all that much. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't, neither one of them was jolly. I mean, Mr. Santa and Mrs. Claus are jolly, happy, wonderful, generous people. <laughs> They're not, uh, not like a guy who looked like a disgruntled Johnny Carson and, 
And I don't know what the whole thing with the mama thing, that, that's weird too, but whatever. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, but perhaps we should save our analysis of this particular Christmas special for our Christmas scrimmage next week. Good call, coach. That's what you call in the biz a teaser. <laughs> but before we get too far ahead of ourselves and get into next week's show, why don't we get this week's show underway? What do you think? Uh, sounds good, sir. Okay. Well, in that case, James, would you be so kind as to tell us what is on deck for this podcast? It would be an honor, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Happy official birthday. The National Hockey League played its first games ever on December 19, 1917. Happy birthday, NHL. Deck Parade. The Massachusetts town knows how to kick off the Christmas season right. The American Rhino and I will tell you all about it. And Tony Bonner, Part B. Mr. Tony Bonner's interview was so good we needed two hit the decks to webcast it. Jeremy Laws of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association gets the huge assist on this one. Jeremy and Tony represent all that is good about deck hockey, and it's an honor to know them. Enjoy part two, folks. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. All right. So, uh, happy birthday, NHL. Yeah, as everybody knows, or at least you should know, that the NHL has been celebrating its 100th anniversary all season. They grow up so fast. They really do. So, officially... The NHL was formed, I believe, on November 26th, 1917, and their first games were played on December 19th, 1917. Yeah. And therefore, coming up at the recording of this podcast, will officially be the 100th birthday of the NHL. So depending on when you listen to this, it is either coming very soon, today, or just recently. Your mileage right. may vary. There you go. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, in, in any event, the, the NHL is turning 100, and it was, a, it was a bit different back then. A little bit, and the American Rhino put on your professor cap uh, back in Hit the Deck number 41, I believe. Yes, and 41. Told us, yeah, told us all about the first games ever played in the NHL. Yeah, I actually asked our listeners if anyone knew who was in the first or where the first game in the NHL was played in episode 40. And since nobody responded to us, I, I took it upon myself to do the research and, and pass it on in an attempt to be a, a good podcast host. So, um, you know, James and I just to, to 41 was a long time ago. It was half a podcast ago, literally. And so we are going to just bring you back to episode 41 and uh, take a quick stroll down memory lane to get you up to speed on that first day of the NHL. So um, <clears throat> without further ado, previously on the Hit the Deck podcast. Where did the first NHL game take place? In fact, there are two candidates because the, the first two games took place on the same night or the same day, actually. I don't know for a fact it was even nighttime because I wasn't able to find a starting time for either game, but I guess it was 99 years ago or, you know, uh, 99 and a half Almost 100. No, it was eh, 99. It was December. So uh, it was December of um, 1917. So that's such a long time ago. So, uh, yeah, but there were, there were no records as to the starting time. So the two candidates are in Ottawa. Um, the Ottawa Senators played, hosted 
the Montreal Canadiens, the Habs. Oh, wow. In one of the first NHL games, Montreal won. And the second candidate, and this is the one I'm inclined to think would be considered, if if you had to pin it down, would be considered the first official NHL game, if only by virtue of the fact that they give credit for the first goal ever scored in the NHL, which was scored a minute into the game. That was played in Montreal. The Montreal Wanderers was the Ooh. team versus the Toronto Arenas, I guess. That's how it's spelled. And... That it was the goal was scored a minute into the game, so you know I, either they had the exact same start time and you know Montreal just scored first, or that game was earlier in in the day because the I think the first goal in the Canadian Senators game was like six minutes into the game or something like that. So the 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 other game I'm just going to give them the edge. So. Although interesting, interesting story about the Montreal Wanderers. They only played, I think, four NHL games. And and that opening night game, uh, the, the first game in NHL history, was the only game they ever won. And the reason the club folded, their arena, which they shared with the Habs, burned down. Ooh. And the Habs were able to play at a different arena, but the Wanderers decided to just pack it in. So that's, you know, the, the, that's your little bit of NHL history for uh, right here on the Hit the Deck podcast. Thank you, the American Professor Rhino. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> I, I am uh, I'm happy to oblige. And that was nearly 100 years ago. So, uh, yeah, so things did not work out so well for the uh, Wanderers and the Arenas. Which, as as I said in the clip, I believe was the first actual game played. So I don't know if the NHL is going to be promoting that one quite so heavily. They'll probably be showcasing the uh, the Habs and the Senators game. So that that will probably be what they will call the first game uh, in the NHL. But who knows? I don't know. I'm you know maybe they will be honest. And not fudge the facts. We'll see. But again, yeah, that was uh, and a very educated guess on the American Rhinos part, too. We just went by the first goal scored. So who knows? But uh, like the American Rhino also pointed out, there was no time of game at that time. And they have posted, they call it replica score sheets of the mm -hmm. games yeah. on NHL.com. And so they have all the scoring and, and things like that. And even the attendance, which is interesting, but they don't have... Uh, start of game and things of that nature which we're kind of used to now it was a different time people wore suits and ties to the games and the the players wore actual sweaters as we discussed in a, a previous episode of hit the deck and uh, the goalies did not wear masks for a very long time it was it was just <laughs> funny uh actually the 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 rules, just just the rules, were many of them were fundamentally different. And James, would you mind walking us through some of those rule changes back then? I'd be happy to. And also, this is really going to hit home to the American Rhino and and for Tony coming up later on. But to, to start things off, yeah, it was a much different game back then. And first of all, there was no forward passing at the time. <laughs> if you can imagine that, like uh, rugby or uh, football or something. I I, I don't uh, well, yeah. 
football you can forward pass if you're behind the line of scrimmage but uh, rug- yeah. rugby you can't right rugby i don't know i would get killed if I ever tried to play yeah. rugby <laughs> or at least lose an ear or two mm-hmm. but yeah that is just it, it's so far and especially as a defenseman how do you not Pass forward. It just, I'm glad that they changed that. So good, good move, NHL. Nice, nice move. Were they allowed to shoot? Yeah, I think they, like, they. Yeah, they were. Which is good. What if, what if you do, what if you shoot and somebody, one of your teammates, deflects the puck? Is that a penalty? I don't know. We have to. Um, maybe the the Maven might know, but uh, I, yeah, I he was probably around back then. Well, maybe, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> he was a spry. Uh, you know, he was a young man back in those days. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn American fan, probably the poor guy. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so the NHL has had some growing pains, as the American Rhino alluded to, and and I think they've done a great job in in making the game as wonderful and as fantastic as it is for the National Hockey League itself and internationally and in uh, in Europe and stuff, and obviously up in Canada, all around the world, and the Olympics and so on and so forth. So good stuff on that. But yeah, so there was no forward passing at the time. Minor penalties lasted three minutes as opposed to just two minutes. Well, depending on how the, you know, the rules were structured, I'm sure the power play, if there was no forward passing, I'm sure the power play was less of an advantage than it is right now. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. Exactly. Because you can't tic-tac-toe like you do now that you'd have to like skate in front of a defensive player and then drop it back. And then they would have to skate around. It's, I I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. Neither do I. So uh, good on them. But all right. Now, listen, I'm I'm glad you're sitting down for this one. Mm -hmm. Goalies served their own penalties. Well, you know what? That's uh, uh, meaning there was no goalie in the goal. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That is kind of crazy. But on the other hand, you know, every other player has to serve their own penalty. So it's always seemed a little unfair to me that the goalie can just kind of act with impunity and, you know, not be punished for it. I mean, obviously, if a, if a goalie like throws down the gloves or, you know, commits some kind of game misconduct, he's going to get yanked. But, you know, it it. Goalies don't take a lot of penalties to begin with, but it always struck me as, you know, some other player would be designated to take the heat for what the goalie did, and that that never quite sat right with me. So I'm kind of okay with the idea of the goalie having to serve his own penalty. All right, that's fair. You're a much, much better man than I am, and you've proved that time and time again on this podcast. However, I'm going to take a defensive stance for you wonderful goalies out there is that you're a team, so you win and lose and, and, and do that, so it doesn't matter. However, the poor goalie is usually the one that has to take the brunt if they lose, and if the team wins, the goalie doesn't get enough credit usually that he should as well, or her. So for that aspect, I think that kind of evens out. So exactly, unless you're battling you know, Billy Smith or somebody a little bit dirty in, in, in that case, which I think goalies are a lot more even-keeled now. But I see what you're saying, and you're right. You, you, you got to, you know, if you, you do the crime, you got to do the time. <laughs> but this, uh, that's just, it's crazy because it's like modern-day hockey, as, as you even alluded to with the, uh, the Misfits game, is that when you're down with a couple minutes left in, the, in regulation, you pull your goalie, and then, uh, you know, you get the extra skater out there. And that's what it was like for the penalty. The defenseman or a forward had to go back, and there's only, you know, five of you out there. So to uh, try and defend the goal, but you're right. With the, Without the forward passing, maybe it kind of evened out a little bit, but uh, at least now they changed that rule pretty much 
I don't know, weeks later or something like that. So I'm glad that they, they made uh, other players serve the penalties for the goalies. Yeah, but you also have to consider, James, the shots weren't as hard. And also the equipment was so much smaller and so much less, you know, protective and less elaborate back then that it probably was easier for somebody to, to kind of come off the bench and step into the net while the goalie was serving the penalty. I mean, you'd still be at a disadvantage because that person isn't the goalie, but I don't think it's quite the same as a defenseman, you know, dropping down in front of the net today in an empty net. I think it's a little more even than it would be in the same situation today. Yeah, excellent points. Exactly right, that they didn't even have uh, curves to the blades until, what, like the late 50s or early 60s or so. So good point there, American Rhino. Actually, the, the defenseman probably wouldn't be dropping down to make the save because of the next rule change that you're going to tell us about. So happy you, you said that because here's another one for you. The NHL adopted an NHA rule, quote, mandating that goaltenders weren't allowed to leave their feet to make a save. I would be in trouble. Exactly. I mean, every goalie would. If that literally means leave your feet is a strange expression as far as I'm concerned. But if that literally means that you have to stand up and make the save without mm -hmm. doing a butterfly position or, you know, kicking your leg out or that is insane. I think Mike Margiotta would be okay. Maybe, maybe, but it, that, that's just, would you even know how to play the position American Rhino if you weren't allowed to use your, uh, your, uh, your legs the way you're supposed to? Not well. I mean, I, you know, I, sometimes I get caught flat footed moving left to right you know, caught leaning the wrong way as it is. So that would definitely add a layer of complexity and challenge to my game. So, yeah, no, I I think that I would be at a disadvantage if I couldn't, a severe disadvantage if I couldn't leave my feet. But I do poke aggressively, you know, with my stick. So hopefully, you know, it wouldn't just be standing there waiting for the puck to come to me. Although, for all I know, you're not allowed to poke check either. I, I <laughs> You know, some of these rules sound ridiculous to me. So I, I, I can't, you know, I can't explain away any of this stuff. Yeah. So that was what it was like 100 years ago. And as you said, James, the fortunately, the can't leave your feet rule was dropped within weeks of it being instituted. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, even from a from a broadcaster point of view, how can you not say uh, pad saving a beauty? You know, come on now. That, that's that's crazy. I imagine the goalies of the time when that rule change was reversed dropped to their knees in celebration. Very good. Uh, unless if, if a kick save back then literally meant that you had to kick the puck away. Like was, yeah, exactly. God bless. Uh, <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yep. Wax on. I'm, of course, talking about the stick. Wax on, wax off. Good oh, stuff, man. But, yeah, uh, no, fun times. Yeah, so happy birthday, NHL. Officially happy, happy birthday. Many, many more. Yep, many happy returns, NHL. Uh, but uh, do, do, do we know, was the Stanley Cup awarded that first season? I believe it was, as a matter of fact. And I think the, could it have been the arenas that won it? Or, I mean, Montreal had two teams, so they made up, what, two-thirds of the league because there was... Uh, a team that came in as a fifth team, uh, Quebec, I believe. Oh, no, they didn't come in until 1919. So, yeah, so it was just four teams. But um, the odds were pretty good that one of them was going to win the Cup. But they did award the Stanley Cup that year. At that point, 
the Stanley Cup was donated for they had other leagues before the NHL. And then I think there was even amateur leagues, too, that the Stanley Cup was awarded to. And when the NHL came along and, and officially became the four of professional hockey, it made sense that the greatest trophy in the history of sports, especially for hockey, would be awarded to the NHL team. Interesting story. The Stanley Cup as a prize actually predates the league for which it is the the chief prize. The Stanley Cup dates back to 1893. Yes, sir. And the first Stanley Cup victor was the Montreal Hockey Club. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> wow, that that I bet that sold a lot of jerseys. <laughs> so <it's>, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other good good point, too. I mean, uh, unfortunately, the Wanderers and the arenas didn't fare too well either. But be very careful when you're naming your team, be it a deck hockey team or an NHL team or anything else in between. It might come back to bite you. Yeah, seriously. Well, I, I have to say, as trophies go, you know, the, the Stanley Cup looks – the Stanley Cup is in fantastic shape considering how old it is. Yeah, and, and considering how many hooligans have manhandled it over the years. Good point. Yeah, I believe the uh, the tradition of each player who on the Stanley Cup championship team gets to have the Stanley Cup for one day and take it wherever he wants to, literally in the world, actually. It's been on planes. It's been out of the country all over. Well, obviously, out of North America and, and stuff of that nature. But I believe that tradition may have started with the 1989 Calgary Flames. I'd have to look that up later. But, yeah, it, it's, it has been to uh, everywhere, all points of the globe. And it does look phenomenal still. Ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> So it, it, it appears that the Stanley Cup was not the sole trophy of the NHL from its inception. From 1915 to 1926, the Stanley Cup, I guess, was won by or played for by the champions of the various leagues. And it was awarded to, I guess, the, the winning team from I, I guess it's kind of like in football they have the AFC and the NFC or in baseball they have the AL and the NL like those are basically different leagues hockey leagues and I guess the winning hockey league won the cup until 1927 when the last competing league the WHL folded at which point the NHL became the sole owners of the Stanley Cup. Well, there you go. Thank you very much, American Rhino. That that comes straight from Wikipedia. Yeah, so if we're wrong, blame Wikipedia. Honestly, that's pretty interesting. I did not know that. And this segment is is just uh, educating us. And, you know, for, for a ball hockey podcast, I'm learning an awful lot about the NHL. Yes, but it comes right back to deck hockey in the next topic. So thank you, sir. And what is that topic, James? Well, indirectly, it's about a parade that happens every Christmas time up in Massachusetts, in Fall River, Massachusetts, as a matter of fact, their 33rd annual Children's Christmas Parade. Mm -hmm. Now, what that has to do with deck hockey is this, that a part of the parade is that it's filled with huge balloons, bands, floats, and all that stuff. But the cool thing is local schools and businesses decorate the floats that go out in the parade, and the best business being from the uh, Fall River area, is the Fall River Deck Hockey Association. They got their own float. 
So is this like a homecoming parade type situation or uh, like, a, I don't know, I, I'm, I've never been from a small town, so I don't know what they throw parades for. The parades that I'm familiar with go down like Fifth Avenue in New York City. So I, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's cool that a deck hockey association has its own float. That That is um, what <laughs> I assume it's made out of papier-mâché and, uh, you know, chicken wire and such, plaster. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you can check it out because the league has its own Facebook page. So facebook.com forward slash F-R-D-E-K to see the Fall River Deck Hockey Association, their little Facebook page. And you can see the float as well. But exactly right. That, that's uh, how you described it. So it was really, really cool. And that's awesome. That just gives you an idea of how popular, and, and if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, as we uh, will get back to Tony's interview to finish that part up, but uh, and and the Columbus boys and Jeremy Laws and stuff is how popular deck hockey really is on its own. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously you and I love deck hockey. It's very accessible. We've talked about this to death on the podcast. It's really, it's something that anybody, just about anybody can play. You know, you don't have to have a lot of special skills going into it. You can just pick up a stick and see how you do. You know, it, and, and I think it's that accessibility that, makes it so much fun you know it's uh i don't know I'm, I'm i'm very happy to hear that they have a cool float and are able to spread the deck hockey gospel as it were in the process so uh you know kudos to you massachusetts fall river fall river massachusetts i guess is the town yay yay uh, i don't know I... and uh somebody who has a long history with deck hockey if you if you listened to the podcast last week, then you learned much about the history of our guest last week and this week, Mr. Tony Bonner, newly of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association and formerly of, of many different Canadian hockey teams and uh, leagues and, and various hockey things. I, I'm Tony, I apologize. I'm... I'm really selling your your resume here. I'm just I'm not very good at this. So uh, I, <laughs> but no, Tony Tony has a lot of experience. He puts James and I to shame, and we had a great conversation. And you're gonna hear the rest of it right now. So just to let you know where we're gonna pick up here. When last we left our intrepid heroes on the Hit the Deck podcast, they were discussing with Mr. Tony Bonner the merits and various attempts at modifying deck hockey gear, specifically goalie gear. So uh, that's where we pick up part two of our interview with Tony Bonner. Take it away. So speaking of which, yeah, as you saw some Gary's uh, tips on YouTube for hopefully helpful tips for keeping goalie gear maintenance. And the reason being that the surface that we play on, it's really rough and, and it eats up equipment like crazy. Yeah. So it, it's really, yeah, we'd love to be in your shoes in that aspect, playing on nice facilities where you can slide around and do so on and so forth. But is it challenging for you to find the right gear yourself and not just being like we are, I guess most hockey players, if not that uh, we're so specific for brands, like I was telling you before, I love Titan brand hockey sticks and mm -hmm. 
and my bag is a Cooper, which, you know, Cooper doesn't exist anymore and so on and so forth. But I mean, especially having the fact that, uh, you know, the uh, equipment manager of the New Jersey Devils for crying out loud. I mean, um, yeah, is it, like, like you were saying, is it kind of an ongoing challenge for you to find the right gear? Yeah. I, challenge for me is probably the wrong word because it's more equipment collecting for me is almost becoming a hobby, which is not a good hobby when it's as expensive as gear is. <laughs> but for me, it's striving to find the perfect setup for what we do. And any goaltender that's done both ice and ball to the types of levels. And I, I feel like I'm sitting here patting myself on the back when I really don't mean to be. But when you play at a, a, a high level, and I mean, I've been to I've been to the Canadian Nationals at the A level. I've seen the top ball hockey players in the country. Two of my friends have gone on to play for Team Canada and won gold in the Czech Republic last year wow. from the team that I played for, which is, again, it's one of those things where you go, ball hockey is bigger than what people think. And mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things I like to hit home with is this sport is not just, it's not just street hockey and it's not just something that a bunch of old guys that can't skate anymore go out and do, or that never could skate. It's, it's a, it's a sport that's thriving in a lot of places and does have its own equipment specific to what it does. Now, I don't have the luxury of going out and buying the $1,500 ball hockey pads because I can't justify that. But what I like to do is be able to take my equipment and, and make it more so unique for what I do. A, a great example is, although you know a great ice hockey goalie glove now is used to catch the puck, a ball is a lot lighter and doesn't stay in the pocket quite as well. Yeah. I love I will restring my own goalie gloves with skate lace and make them a little deeper so that it traps the ball better. That's awesome. Just because cool. that, that that and that's what I do because it's finding ways to make my equipment work better for the sport that I do. And any of my friends back home will attest to the fact that I'm a gear fiend. For some reason I am all about making my gear work better for what I do. The sneakers that I have, Gary, I've you I've seen how you tie yours to the back of mm-hmm. your sneaker. I actually have sewn onto the front of mine leather pieces so that my toe ties will attach to my toes because I don't like that front rotation. Okay. Uh, again, it's just old school goaltending. Sure. But but again, that's what I do. I it's it's for me it's not so much going out and f- and buying the right equipment. It's getting equipment that I'm happy with and making it work for what I need to. The hardest one for me right now, and bar none, is sticks. Because what I'm finding right now is I am going through sticks on these outdoor surfaces a whole lot faster than I did on the indoor surfaces. And when they're $150 composite sticks, and after three months of playing, I'm coming home to the wife and going, honey, by the way, I just ruined this stick. Can I have another one? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> you know, and my, uh, I, I alluded to nationals when I went away to nationals, I had two mismatched sticks. And when we got off the plane in Vancouver, my sticks come off the plane. Mm. They're two mismatched sticks and I'm coming. And at the same time arriving from Montreal was he plays for a team called the Montreal red light. Okay. He plays for team Canada off rolls his case of sticks. And I, when I say case, he had six fully matching red and white CCM top of the line sticks roll off all mm-hmm. still wrapped in plastic while my two mismatched warrior sticks of different colors roll off. Uh, it, can I have one? Yeah. Maybe just, you know, <laughs> yeah. just tell him you broke it. it. 
they broke it on the plane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sign it if you want. I mean, (laughs) so yeah, equipment, equipment for me. Yeah, it's as much as it is a necessity. It's more of a passion for me to to modify and and make it work. Uh, And I think Gary, from what I've seen of some of your videos, you're in a similar nature. I've never seen anybody do to sneakers what you did to sneakers. Yeah, well, I just. well, thank you. Uh, it just I I do what makes sense to me, and my brain works yeah. a little weird, but yeah, I I hope that it helped somebody. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it gave me some ideas, that's for sure. Well, good, good. <laughs> that's wonderful. As far as the sticks go, I for a while James had gotten me. Uh, it was a wraparound. Is that is that what it was called, James? The hockey wraparound. Yes. It yes. was a uh, like a metal. Um, it was yep. like a metal piece that wrapped around the stick and you, it would, you know, you could use it on the outdoor surfaces and it, mm-hmm. it saved my stick. I went through two of them and unfortunately they don't make them for goalie sticks anymore. They only make them for skater sticks. So, right. uh, you know, I, I now I'm back to the position where you are, where I keep grinding it down every week and it's unfortunate, but mm-hmm. for a while I was living the good life. <laughs> Inject the heels with two part epoxy. Okay. And then clamp them and mm-hmm. sand them, and it acts as like a barrier between the surface and the stick. So, all right, I'll, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll take that under advisement. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think we need to start watching some of Tony's YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> if you if you do those things, that's really seriously that's fascinating. We love stuff like this. I mean, uh, uh, Jeremy was absolutely right. You're our kind of guy, Tony. So, uh, thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, sharing your uh, great tidbits and things like that. And also to return a favor too of uh, all the golden nuggets you're giving us is, uh, are you familiar with a website called Hockey Tron? They're based in Seattle. I don't think so. Gary, if you wouldn't mind telling Tony about the new stick you just picked up from there. They're really, uh, it's a good quality stuff that they have. They just put their own name on things, but it's like warrior quality and CCM quality. We have a bunch of their stuff too. And Gary just broke out a new stick that he just bought recently. So yeah, it's, uh, it's up and down kind of in terms of consistency uh, of the quality of their stuff. Some of it is really good. Mm -hmm. Some of it is okay, but most of it is on the cheap side. And sure. every Saturday they have sales where they'll – it's like a clearance sale where they will put kind of a random assortment of things up to 80% off. So I just got like a $80, $90 stick for $30 a couple of weeks ago. And nice. so, yeah, it's uh, Hockeytron is the name of the website. Okay. You know, it's, it's, you're, if you're looking for like, you know, super high quality stuff, you're probably not going to get – you know, great, great stuff. But if you mm-hmm. want decent equipment at a, an affordable price, then you should check it out. We're not sponsored by them or anything. It's just, no, no, no. I, uh, I've done a lot of my gear shopping there. So that's excellent. I like to keep an eye out. And I, I, I found in terms of replacing my gear, the key is to be patient. If I have the luxury to be patient, usually if I wait a while, I can pick up something good, like the, a stick. I've I've been waiting for a couple of years for a good sale on a stick because I've had them before. Usually it's like oh buy you have to buy at least three and I don't need yep. three sticks uh, at well, the moment. So you know I I'm gonna I'm gonna put you onto one more website and again not please. sponsoring me although hey um, <laughs> hockeystickman.com okay he sells pro stock returns as well as refurb sticks Mm -hmm. and as much as refurb sounds like a bad idea for goalie sticks the only place they normally break 
is the shaft. Sure. So when they when they do a, a refurb on the shaft, it's essentially the same thing. They have some really amazing stuff there, and really great prices. And okay. Just for sure, and some some classics too. Uh, every now and then, a classic stick pops up. Uh, they rebranded some Christian goalie sticks, which used to be at Belfour stick of choice, which oh, was okay. my favorite stick of choice as a child. But sure. uh, yeah, they started rebranding those. And it was kind of neat that there some nostalgia came up. So every now and then, I like I said, I'm a vintage goaltender. Sure. I like my vintage stuff. So awesome! Thanks yep. for the tip. So speaking of which, obviously the sticks are the things that go the most. But uh, do you find yourself? I mean, how often do you have to replace some of your stuff, like replacing pads? I mean, that's great that you have the sliders and things, but mm-hmm. you have to worry about gloves and sneakers and and even your mask lasting a couple of years or so or months. Yeah, or I mean, for me, I just uh, the pads that I'm wearing now, I've had for. I think three years I got them. I'm wearing, I mentioned, I, uh, not currently Gary, mm. um, but I, I wear a E-Flex, <laughs> an E-Flex 2760 CCM pad. It's a, if just a, the long short story of CCM pads is they have a, the 760 line and, and their other lines, they're, they're made in China lines, if uh, you will. Sure. Um, they're not $1,500 pads. They're $600 pads. And I'd gotten them for, I think, four fifty one spring they were on sale. Good. And I've had those for a little while. Now they're starting to break down faster than a pro-level pad would be. Mm-hmm. Typically, I'll try and find pro-level pads that are sidelineswap.com, another great online resource for finding equipment. Um, you know, Just to find some pro-level equipment that people are selling that have more money than I do or play at higher levels that I do and, and change out their gear more frequently. So I don't, I change out my equipment a lot, but I change back my equipment even more. And what I mean by that is the gloves that I'm wearing, I got probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. I've had three sets of gloves since then. And each of those I've passed on to somebody else because I didn't like them as much as I like the ones I currently have. And it's, I'm very much, yeah, I'm picky about some of the equipment I wear. Some of the other stuff, my chest gear, my pants, you know, those things, as much as I should probably replace those sooner, I don't because you don't see them and they're not the cool parts. Yeah. As sad as that sounds. Honest, we love that. Yeah, my helmet, the only reason I'm wearing the helmet I am wearing is because when I was playing competitive hockey back in New Brunswick, I used to wear an SK2000 uh, Cooper helmet, and there's one for you. Yep. Uh, Chris, Chris Osgood style. Yep. Yep. So with, with the cat's eye cage, mm. that was my favorite. I love that helmet. Could And my thing was breathing the new molded helmets. I find I can't, they, they get really hot, so it's hard to breathe. So mm. that's the reason I used an open cage. Well, they called me out on it because it's not a certified cage. And even though it's ball hockey, we're bound by their league rules and their national rules where it had to be a certified cage. Sure. I couldn't wear a cat's eye cage because again, sticks do fit through the cat eye. Mm. It's a large opening. I could see great, but they told me it was not a certified case, so I couldn't wear it. Oh, wow. So that, that's when, that's when I went out and I got a molded helmet and again, found an older one that worked better for me and I could breathe a little bit more. And again, I'm in the same boat right now as I'm having a hard time finding a replacement for it because I'm a creature of habit. And so, and so, you know, you, you don't replace what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of deal. Um, yeah, I, I, so that's, and that, that's where I'm at. I understand. I, I don't, my pads aren't nearly as fancy or, uh, you know, 
as uh, let's say high end as yours. But I have yeah. I, I I've CCM one hundreds, and yep. I've been I've used my last three sets of pads have been those. But it looks like they don't make them anymore. So okay. I've just it's really hard to find the kind of pads I'm used to now when they go. So it's uh, well, I, what I'll tell I you, yeah. Once you change, it's hard. To, I've I'm going to use some more terminology for you, and I apologize, but mm-hmm. I'm again being an, old, an older school goaltender. I used to like what was called a double brake pad, which mm-hmm. means it bent in two places okay. at, on the on the side rolls, so it had more of a curve to it. So when I went mm-hmm. down, the pad curved more. Okay. Newer pads, newer pads went to if you remember when the Reebok ones came out, they didn't have they were like flat face, so they mm-hmm. didn't bend. I couldn't get used to those at all. So again, I stayed with an older style pad. The CCM ones I have have what's called a single brake, so it only bends once. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to hate them. Absolutely thought I was going to hate them. Yeah. Started using them, sort of got used to them, thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to a double brake. Tried, couldn't, because I'd gotten so used to the single brake now. I'm a converted goaltender. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's all about what you get used to and what's comfortable and what works. That's the that's what it comes down to. Um, one of the guys at the Columbus deck hockey he uses an old torn up set of tour street hockey slash roller hockey pads Mm -hmm. and he stops just as many balls as i do and (laughs) doesn't may not look as good but he's doing the job and that's all that matters is that you know he stops what i remember and again not to dwell on too many stories i remember i remember a time when i was 12 years old playing minor hockey and we had the luxury of playing against a team from russia that wow. had come over to do some exhibition games with Canadian teams. And when he went out to practice, I thought there would be no way I would ever step in a net with the gear that he was wearing because it looked like it was going to hurt every time he stopped. Mm-hmm. Pads that, no joke, we used to joke about wearing Sears catalogs as pads as kids for road <laughs> hockey. <laughs> right. Well, uh, you know what? I think Sears catalogs probably would have done a better job mm-hmm. protecting him. Yeah. But just amazingly talented and stopped more pucks than any goaltender in any exhibition game I'd ever seen. It's not about the equipment so much as it is the person that's wearing it. So yeah, well, I I appreciate that, Tony, but I fear change. (laughs) 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 No, honestly, I know I will have to move on soon. The, I usually, I, on the surface we play, and this is a big part of why I have lower end gear is I have traditionally wound up changing my pads out about once a year. This year, I was able to extend the life a little bit, but they're they're really starting to go. So it's going to be sooner rather than later. And yeah. uh, with regards to the the tour equipment, I haven't had tour pads, but my uh, blocker and my glove have been tour, uh, or a couple of my blockers and gloves have been tour. The blocker I'm using now and the glove I had before this one, and I love them. They're they're my favorite of the blockers and gloves that I've had, but they get beat up they go really fast you have to constantly maintain them so it's a trade-off and yeah before we let you go tony this has been a fantastic i think this has been a really fascinating interview and uh, really kudos to jeremy for introducing you to us because you're definitely again you're our type of guy so you and i are kind of from the similar school where we like older equipment and and traditional stuff for our own points of view and and I, I agree too it's so much easier to buy equipment now with the internet and god bless it because i i feel the same exact way as you do but uh so your style as a goalie if you're traditional does that mean you're like a stand-up goalie or are you a butterfly goalie what, what's your uh primary style hybrid i would have to say i'm a hybrid goaltender i started 
my uh, and I'm going to story tell again and and fine. feel free to coo and call over my story. That's going to probably <laughs> no. You're you're going to like this one too, Gary. I'm sure and probably. But when I started playing, it was. I was at that point in time where Patrick Wall was just starting to make a name for the butterfly style, if you will. And I was one of those goaltenders that started, you know, I, minor hockey was the coach always telling me, stand up, stand up. You're, you're going down too much. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Well, I was lucky enough that you mentioned AHL teams in Fredericton. Well, when I grew up in Cape Breton, we had an AHL team there. The Cape Breton Oilers were the farm club of the Edmonton Oilers. And they had a goaltender who had come to Cape Breton to be just be a backup, uh, no more. Uh, his name was uh, Alexander Sasha Tiznich. Now, the name doesn't mean much, but he was the backup goaltender for Vladislav Tretiak at the Russian Red Army. Wow. Holy Hold mackerel. That's yeah, a pedigree. So he, he began having goalie schools in Cape Breton, which was fantastic because you're learning, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best – not so much styles of hockey, but I've never seen anybody train like the Russians do mm. when it comes to, we would get, we'd go to goalie schools. And uh, when I was a student there, go and do the drills and I'd be done the drill and I'd be spent and doubled over and tired. And, and Sasha would come over to me and he'd go, come with me, come with me, Sasha, what are we doing? Butterfly walk. You're going to butterfly walk in, in his Russian accent. <laughs> and he would make me, it would make me go into a butterfly and, and sweep my legs out. If you can imagine me going between blue line and red line in what we call a butterfly walk. And he'd make me do this between drills and then go back again and do another drill Ow. and just work you so hard. So yeah. it, again, it's just a great training regime. And one of the, you know, highlights of my young life was I got to meet Vladislav Tretsiak. And, you know, any goaltender that knows anything about goaltending goes, there are a handful of goaltenders in the world or in history that you say, if I ever got to meet them, yeah. it would be fantastic. And he was on my list. And yeah, obviously, sure. you know, amazing to meet that, meet someone like that and someone that played with him and trained with him and, and so on. So as far as my style goes, it's, it's evolved for sure. My ice hockey style was very much more butterfly style, mm. uh, but what I found with ball hockey is hybrid's a good word for it in respect that I play a lot of butterfly, a lot of paddle down. I've incorporated some of the new stuff as far as, you know, post work and what have you. But when it all comes down to it, nothing beats a good old fashioned Dominic Hasek, complete snow angel, <laughs> drop down, stop it any way you can. Yeah. And, you know, as that's probably the the best way of putting it is as much style as I probably have. And I may link you guys to one or two of the few videos that exist of me online. Um, but yeah, it's uh, any way possible. Stop the ball. That's, that's what it comes down to. But yeah, I would, I would call myself a hybrid. Let's uh, if we're going to use a technical term. Uh, you're right though. I, I, we, James and I played a game just this past weekend and like there was one right at the end of the game, there was a big scramble at the post and like, it was an assault kind of. And the, afterwards mm -hmm. the guys were like, how did you stop that? And I said, I have no idea. I don't even see it. I just, you know, I yep. just did. Cause you just, whatever you do instinctively, whatever you think is going to stop that puck. You, you just, yep. you're that you have to do that. You know, it doesn't uh, have to be pretty. Had, it just uh, has to stay out. One, yeah, one defenseman I played with, he um, very repeatedly said, and jokingly but not jokingly at the same time, he says, you have one job, and 
only one job. Yeah. And that's to stop the little orange thing. Mm -hmm. Anything else he says, don't worry about it. Yeah. So that's what I'm always telling James. You know, I, that, that's, that's my job. That's it. I just yep. I stop the puck. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, as a fellow defenseman to uh, that the gentleman that was saying that to you is whenever there's a shot on goal to us, it's a failure on our part. Not to make your lives boring, but uh, yeah, that, yep. that's, you know, we, we want to make your lives as, as easy as possible, even though maybe uh, it's not as much fun. But yeah, yep. as a defenseman, yeah. that, that's no shots on goal or, or would be our ideal game. But of course, that's what we need you guys in there for, because we let too many shots go off. <laughs> God bless you guys for saving our skin all the time. So for the final question, Tony, and again, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a fantastic, fantastic guest. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to come back on, please do. But what are your final thoughts on the Columbus Deck Hockey Association in terms of what you like about it, why people should join it, if people are in the area or even from around the country, a few hours drive or something like that? I mean, from what Jeremy has described, Jeremy Laws of the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, which we had as a guest a couple of podcasts ago, Gary and I are seriously considering going on a road trip to play in the CDHA if ever we can. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of leave us with a final note on your thoughts and why the CDHA is so cool and, and a great league. First off, if you guys ever want to make that road trip, Gary, yep. I'll go toe-to-toe with you any day. <laughs> um, I, I don't like my chances. Two. <laughs> number two is this area has so much potential and growing up playing ball hockey where i have in canada the summer league we had was we had different divisions we had different levels we had five b teams eight c teams eight d teams eight women's teams and i think six junior teams so that's 18 and unders again and that that was a growing league mm. i see the same kind of potential here I think the hard part that we're going to have here is just growing the awareness of what this is and what it can be. And what I look at it, it's not a competition to ice hockey. It's not a replacement for ice hockey. It's an alternative for those either A, who want a second form of training or exercise or development in the sport, or those who just never meant to be on skates and, and still want to enjoy this fantastic sport of hockey. And from what I've been talking with the group, fantastic, amazing group. I can't say enough about the guys that I'm a misplaced Canadian that was looking for a place to play. And these guys welcomed me with open arms and said, yeah, for sure. Come play. We don't care how good you are. Or how... Never once did they question, hey, are you even any good? They just said, yeah, come play. And that's fantastic. And I see that every week that I get to play with them. Just a fantastic group. And they have a great core that has a love for the game that wants to make it grow. And I see it helping to be that group that grows. And their stumbling block is going to be facility because, you know, as much as people enjoy the outdoors and weather has its own restraints, people think, well, you know, it's summer. It's going to be great. Well, the opposite is true. And you guys can probably both attest to that is Absolutely. that when it's scorching hot out, you don't want to be outside strapped on with this equipment running around sweating and and just you know um, we do but not everybody does um and the same goes when it gets cold it's oh well it's too cold um, i'm sorry it was 40 some degrees and you'll know, have to forgive me i'm doing my best conversion from canadian That's centigrades okay. right. Thank um, you. it was 40 it was 40 some degrees fahrenheit last Sunday and I thought it was fantastic weather to play hockey in because I'm not getting too hot I'm not too cold and it's just amazing but I think if if and when they can secure a facility and the right type of facility and promote it the right way which I know they can 
And I think it, I, I, I can't see why it would never grow. And I'm going to do my best to promote it and, and make it grow. Because as I joked with Jeremy here last week, I want to go away to one of these tournaments they go to in Pittsburgh because, hey, I'm of age to play for the Masters team. I would love to play for Team USA Masters. <laughs> hey, why not? So, yeah, no, all joking aside, it's it's a sport that I want to help them grow here. And, and I think uh, I really do believe that they have – the tools needed to make it grow. It's all going to be hinging on that facility, I think. And I've got firm belief that they are in the works of figuring that one out. So. All right. Thank thank you. Is there anything else that you want to chat about before we go? Gosh, no, I think I've taken up enough of your time. No, not at all. It's been fantastic chatting with you guys. It's, uh, it's always great to see the sport living and and growing in other places as well. And, you know, knowing that you guys are out, in the New York area, strapping the gear on and, and playing. It's, you know, it, it makes, it makes what I'm doing that much more believable, I guess is <laughs> the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Well, you yeah. have an incredible resume, uh, Tony, excuse me, Gary. I no, mean, you know, playing competitive ball hockey for the last five years, being in nationals yep. and you're successful there and num- numerous levels and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that the uh, CDHA was nice enough to be rewarded for their kindness Lord knows that they, I guess they didn't realize they had such a diamond in the rough in you joining the league, but that's really awesome, man. Really cool. Yeah. yeah the you. downside ends up being that for some reason, I'm the guy that everybody wants to shoot against on Sundays now. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a whole lot of pressure when you're not on top of your game. <laughs> well, iron sharpens iron, right? They want to test themselves <laughs> against the best. Good point. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Tony. We we really appreciate having you on the podcast. And we, uh, you know, like James said, anytime you want to come back, feel free. Oh, I'd love that. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Best of luck in the future to you and and the CDHA. And and yes, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah. Same to you guys, for sure. And enjoy the upcoming holiday season. Thanks. I hope Santa brings you all the gear that you asked for and more. Yeah, me me too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tony. We once again appreciate your joining us here on the podcast. You've classed up the joint and uh, we we appreciate the benefit of your experience and knowledge. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, we appreciate the links, which we will put up on our Facebook page for the benefit of you, our listeners, to enjoy. And speaking of enjoying things, we would encourage you to tune in to us here next week, right here, wherever you got this podcast, right here in in the same place. We would encourage you to come back next week for a very special Christmas scrimmage of the Hit the Deck podcast for you to enjoy. And, uh, you know, it is, uh, we... Generally, around the holidays, we do not do a full episode. We, we try to do a holiday-themed scrimmage because we have a lot of stuff to do. We're sure you have a lot of stuff to do. So we just want to send you off into the holiday, you know, with a, with a little, little extra treat there, a uh, little, little extra stocking stuffer, little hit-the-deck stocking stuffer for your ears. So, or ear, ear drum stuffer, ear canal that's not that doesn't sound appealing in any way so let's let's stick with stocking stuff yeah yes so um (laughs) we would we would like to uh before we close out the podcast i personally and uh I'm, i'm sure i echo james here but i i personally would like to wish you a merry christmas or uh it is 
in fact, the, I don't know which number, the second, the third, I think the third night of Hanukkah. I think as we're recording the third night of Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to you if you celebrate. And oh, oh, you know what? I just remembered. I wanted to ask a question. I wanted to put this out to the listeners. So I think this was last year. I would have to check a calendar, which I didn't because I'm not professional, but I meant to. But last year, I think Hanukkah fell during Christmas. So I think we were over on Christmas night. I think we were at my mother-in-law's house. And my mother-in-law lives in a very orthodox neighborhood. She is not herself of the chosen, but she does live in an orthodox neighborhood. And as we were pulling into the driveway across the street, I remember seeing a man like a it was like he was barbecuing. It, was, it looked like he was using a barbecue or a grill of some sort on the porch, lighting something. And through the window, you could see people gathered around the menorah. Now, I want to know. I asked a Jewish friend, and they were not familiar with any kind of tradition that would fit these parameters. But I want to throw it out to you, our listeners. If you are Jewish or if you know of the Jewish culture, is there some ceremony or something that would require someone to do some kind of special preparation of the flame, wherein they would be out on the porch barbecuing the flame or, or you know, lighting it out there? Or was this guy just going in for some Christmas barbecue? Well, that, that's, that is my question of the week. Not that that's a thing, but for this week, I'm making that a thing. That's my question of the week for you, the listener. So you can go ahead and mull that over. And, and if you wouldn't mind getting back to us, I would much appreciate it. In the meantime, last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. In the meantime, I would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. I would like to thank Pops for being the voice of this podcast. Anthony Sajazi for music contributed to this podcast. The LIQ for sound effects used in the podcast. Tony Bonner for being a guest on the podcast. And as I said, classing up the joint. And everybody who has contributed in any way to this podcast. This whole year, the life of the podcast it's, it's the Christmas merry season, and I'm just a happy guy. So I'm going to thank anyone and everything that has to do with this podcast. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and throw, th- I'm like Oprah, I'm throwing thank yous out. Like, you get a thank you. You get a thank you. You get a thank you. I'm, I'm grateful is what I'm saying, basically. Ay-yi-yi-yi-yi. If you would like to continue listening to this podcast, please, if you haven't already done so, consider subscribing. We would very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to the podcast. If you have not done so already, we can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on the Podbean app, on any number of subscription platforms. You can find us on YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel, okay? We are going to uh, hopefully have something fun for you there coming up soon. And you will want to subscribe to us on Hit The Deck Podcast at YouTube. Well, not at YouTube.com. That's not a thing. That's like a, that's an email address. I don't know. But on, on, on YouTube, you're familiar with the video distribution service, I assume. Because I don't think you live under a rock because it's 2017, at least for the moment. And you are listening to this podcast. So um, anyway, yes, and if you would like to contact us, if you'd like to tell us one of your hockey war stories, if you'd like to suggest a topic for the podcast, if you'd like to tell me I'm cut off because I've clearly had too much to drink or, or something or been hit on the head too many times, whatever you'd like to do, please feel free to reach out to us at 
hit the deck, D-E-K, at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, tweet at us at Hit the Deck Pod, or we are on Facebook and Instagram at Hit the Deck. You can reach out to us oh so many ways, and we would love, love, love to hear from you. James, is there anything that you would care to add? Uh, just thank you so much, and that is, my friends, the Christmas spirit by the American Rhino, and I love it. It's contagious. That's what it's all about. God bless you, sir, and thank you for all that you do. And yes, exactly right. Just like Tony and uh, Jeremy did, you can reach out to us and let us know about your deck hockey league and so on and so forth, and we'd love to uh, have you on. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, James. And so at this jolly time of year, whether you are out there freezing or whether your lights go out, whether the Grinch comes and steals all of your Christmas trappings, or whether you are a Scrooge who says bah humbug to the whole holiday season. No matter what you find yourself doing in this month of December, I would urge you to not get coal in your stocking and to remember that it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Uh, that that, that kind of petered out. <laughs> that, uh, oh, that went out with a whimper.